This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 812. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 812. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, shameless moms. Happy Monday. Ooh, things are in full swing over here. Oh my gosh. It feels good. And also it's a lot. (laughs) So by the time you listen to this, I will have just gotten back from Las Vegas where I saw Pink and Brandy, Pink and Brandy Carlisle performing in Las Vegas. So I haven't gone yet. It's Monday. I'm recording this a week in advance. So it's Monday. They're playing on Saturday. I can't wait. Between now and then, I am supporting a big event here in Seattle for women in sales. And so I'm going to be doing some coaching for 300 some women who are part of a much bigger event related to sales and things like that, which will be really, really fun. So I have that for two days this week. And then I go to Las Vegas for two days of work stuff. And then I'm there for two more days to play and go to Brandy Carlisle and Pink, which I'm so excited about. I spent the morning this morning texting back and forth with a friend about like, what do you wear to that kind of a concert? in Las Vegas. And the only thing we could come up with was sequin tank tops. So 
We're both like overnighting sequin tank tops from different online venues. Like how fast can all these sequin tank tops get here? And we'll have a like, you know, a fitting in our respective homes and then send back all but one of our sequin tank tops. (laughs) But it's just funny, you know, when you're 47 and you're like, what does one wear to these concerts? Luckily, I did not go to Taylor Swift, but luckily I know so many people who did. And they like blazed the trail for me. I was like, oh, these are the kinds of things people wear to concerts. Like, I think they do wear sequins now. So (laughs) I don't know. I'll have to fill you in later. And then this week, in just a couple days, I will be heading to Spokane to visit my mom for her 85th birthday. So shout out to Lala. That's my mom. Shout out to Lala for her 85th birthday. I will tell you, she is doing pretty well for an 85 year old. She is smart as a whip and on top of everything and has it together way more than I do most of the time. So it'll be really, really fun to go over and celebrate her. My sister and I are hosting a big dinner for her in which we've told her she's not allowed to do anything for the dinner except for to sit there and enjoy being celebrated, which she already has said is going to be just really stressful for her. But she's going to really try to release controlling everything. So, you know, like mother, like daughter. (laughs) I got the controlling gene. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But I'm also coming off of right before recording this, um, just a few days ago, I hosted my first Influence and Ignite retreat here in Seattle. So this particular Influence and Ignite retreat was for women leaders in the workplace. And oh my goodness, was it an incredible experience. So we had a big full day on Friday where we spent time together, myself and a group of women leaders really working on trusting their voice, practicing using their voice, doing a lot of things to work around how to position yourself as an authority, someone with credibility, and also position yourself as someone who knows how to use their voice in confident ways in order to invite other women around you to use their voices in confident ways. And it was just a really, really incredible day. And I know that these leaders all left with just lots and lots of ideas around how they can go back to their teams and organizations and have greater impact in terms of how they use their voice in really intentional and influential ways in order to ignite new conversations and new ways for the team to work together and new ideas and innovation. So that was really, really exciting to be a part of. And then in three weeks, I'll be hosting my next Influence and Ignite retreat here in Seattle for small business owners. So if you're a female small business owner, if you want to join us, we have, I think, two spots left at the time that I'm recording this. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash bizretreat, that's shamelessmom.com slash bizretreat, you can go ahead and see all of the information for that event and see um, if it's something that would be, you know, appealing to you. What I love, love, love about these events is just the immediate connection. It's like we are in the room with these women for 10 minutes and already everyone's connected. And that is just the most magical piece. And so that really allows for everyone to get into the content really deeply because of the way that we open up and hold a container where women can immediately connect, immediately get vulnerable, talk about what their biggest obstacles are, and then really support each other and coming up with solutions that everyone leaves feeling really excited to take out into the world in order to have impact, in order to be more influential, in order to ignite ideas, in order to generate more for their businesses, which is what we're going to be talking about at the end of October, generate more for your business and definitely elevate your voice and your visibility as you head into 2024. So, oh, it just feels like so many exciting things. One of the things I wanted to talk about today was this idea, because this comes up all the time in my work and it came up just recently in two different events that I was supporting. So this idea that when we're 
not good at something or we aren't very familiar at something, it means that we shouldn't do it or we're not ready to do it. And I know I had this really interesting experience, like thinking that leadership was something I needed to practice before I could do it really like publicly or like before I could call it what it was. And when I started to look back over the course of my career path, I was able to see that actually I've been like leading forever. I just didn't really look at it that way. And I didn't really call it that. And I will tell you this really defining moment when I started being able to pinpoint that like what I do in every context, like I can't help but do this thing is I lead like I am just naturally lead. And the thing the moment that solidified this was, I went to a medium in Sedona, Arizona a few years ago, and she read my birth chart and told me at the time, she's like, Oh, you're really, you are a really strong leader. Like that's a very natural skill and talent for you. But this, the woman was, she was a little goofy. And I didn't know if I believed her. She said a whole lot of things that I was like, eh. and like, that was one of the more mild things she said, there was other things where I was like, I don't know about that. So then I went to another medium. And I went to my other friend, Leslie Tagorda, who's been on the show and who reads birth charts and does a lot of stuff with astrology and business owners. And I had my birth chart basically read two more times and then talked to this medium about it, this second medium about a bunch of different things. And basically had it really solidified that like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like leadership is in your DNA. And when you look at my birth chart, if you believe in astrology, it's just like connected to everything. And it made so much sense to me. And then I thought, oh, that felt like permission to really own it and to really start to leverage the fact that I'm a leader in any capacity of my life. Like I can't help but do that. And I'm very uncomfortable when I'm not leading. And so it's really hard for me to sit back in any environment and just take it in. Now there's times obviously that I do that. Like if I'm going to go, you know, to someone else's event, I'm not going to like be, you know, centering myself the whole entire time. But if I'm going to put myself in a small group situation or I'm signing up for something or I want to, you know, be a part of something, oftentimes I just can't help but like be the person who wants to, you know, do all the, like be involved in all the things. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) 
Well, you're aiming more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell, Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts. So leadership comes really naturally to me. And once I was able to self-identify that, it really shifted how my career evolved and it shifted the things I was willing to take chances on because I knew this about myself and I was able to look back and see proof of it. Once some a few people pointed it out to me, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so true. They're absolutely right. So something that I've noticed as I've been hosting events and working with clients over the last few months is that we often think that there's certain things that we're not good at because we just don't have experience doing them yet. And so we think like, oh, I could never do that because since I haven't really done it before, it means I'm not ready to do it or I'm not like, it's not something that I'm, that I would consider something in my skill set. And what's really, really interesting to me is that when I push people on this and I ask them to maybe try doing that thing and seeing what happens, they often find that they're actually really good at it. (laughs) And they often find that like doing the thing and not being the best at it or not being perfect at it, it's totally okay. (laughs) And so that's what I really want to talk about today is giving yourself permission to own a thing that maybe you previously thought was not your thing. And so I want to use a super specific example because I think this is an example that most people just want to like coil up and die when they hear. So let's talk about public speaking. (laughs) So this is something that comes up a lot in the work that I do because I do so much work with people around voice and visibility. And I do work with other leaders who are always trying to get better at their using their voice in different ways, which often is in the context of public speaking. I work with business owners as they're building their businesses and trying to scale their businesses in different ways, which always involves, you know, self-promoting and speaking in different, like high level, high visibility um, situations. And all of those things involve public speaking, whether you're like public speaking to a, you know, a room of two people or three people or a room of, you know, 12 board members, or you're speaking on a stage to hundreds of people, all of it's public speaking. And most people think that they're really, really bad at that. And I've had the experience of watching so many women who think they're bad at public speaking actually practice public speaking in front of me and be really good at it, like really, really good at it. But then being like, oh my God, I'm the worst at this. This is the most horrible thing ever. I always wanted to die the entire time. And sometimes the just wanting to die the entire time is just because it's new and different and uncomfortable and it's not something we do frequently. So I, someone who now public speaks all the time, right? Like this podcast is one example of many of the things that I do around public speaking, but I didn't grow up loving a microphone. And I remember very, very clearly in high school having to do group projects and then get up and share them at the front of the room. And I remember standing specifically in one of my classes, I believe it was my, it was either my freshman or my junior year in high school. I remember the classroom. I just can't remember like who the teachers were in the room, but I remember exactly the classroom I was in at Seattle Prep here in Seattle. And I remember having to get up. It was my freshman year. I'm remembering now because I remember who was standing there with me. So I remember having to get up in front of my class 
And it was a group of four people. And we were doing group projects on like Greek mythology or something and or on ancient Greece. And we each had to speak about a certain component of the project. And I remember when it was my turn, I was shaking so bad, like shaking, shaking, shaking. I could barely get the words out. And then when it was over, I felt like I blacked out. Like I was like, I have no idea what I just said. There's, it was like, it never happened. I couldn't remember anything about it, except for that I was so terrified the entire time. And I was not even sure that my voice worked. So that's like where I started. And I remember also my freshman year signing up for a debate class as an elective because my best friend at the time signed up for it. And I hated it, like hated, hated, hated every minute of it. I loved that my best friend was in there and I loved the teacher. But other than that, really, really hated this class. (laughs) And because I did not want to stand up in front of people, and not only did I not want to stand up and speak in front of people, but I definitely didn't want to stand up and debate in front of people. Like having to argue about something or call someone out or be confrontational or like point counterpoint, like, oh my God, it was the absolute worst. So I'm not someone who by any means thinks that, oh yeah, it was just like public speaking is the thing I was born into. Like it's in my DNA. No, leadership is in my DNA. Public speaking, not so much. So when it came time to go down a career path, I certainly was not looking at like, hmm, how can I be a public speaker? But as opportunities evolved, I more and more and more started putting myself out there. And it's so interesting to see how did that happen, you know, because my early career path didn't lend itself to that. I was working in a psychiatric hospital with children as part of a team. There was definitely not opportunities for public speaking or for really for much leadership in that role. Um, It was much more collaborative, which I loved, much more of a collaborative career versus like a leadership role that I was in. When I became a personal trainer, I was working one-on-one with clients. So, I mean, I wouldn't really consider like, helping someone do their like leading someone or guiding someone in their workout. I don't really consider that public speaking. But here's where things changed. When at a certain point, I decided to evolve my business model a little bit to involve doing some group work. That's where public speaking started for me. And sometimes it was like, in the beginning, it was often it was like three people working out at the same time. And I'd have to give them all instructions, or maybe it was five people showing up. And I'd be like, okay, we're going to do a circuit today. And you're going to do this. And you're going to do that. And then we're going to trade after three minutes and etc. And then that platform growing and growing and growing until it was, you know, 20 or 30 people in the room with music blasting and me with a mic and screaming at like, you're going to do this. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best part of your day, blah, 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 like leading spin classes, leading boot camp classes, all those kinds of things. And learning that I loved the mic. I loved the mic when I could use it in a way that was lighting up other people. And that's where public speaking became really, really central to what I was doing. And so sometimes it just takes recognizing that you maybe need to practice the skill in the right environment or have it be something that's connected to something really meaningful for you in order for that thing to click for you. When that level of leadership, leading groups of people in exercise, and the bigger the group, the better, like, oh my gosh, the more I could pack in a room, the more I just absolutely loved it, the more I felt like I could access my voice in different ways and more influential ways. And once I was able to see that, then I started to see that more could be possible. And I remember this moment really specifically, this was before I started the podcast, and it actually was part of why I started the podcast. I remember being in the gym at the end of the day one day, cleaning up and getting ready to leave the gym. And I kind of stopped in the middle of the room. We had this big, like wide open kind of warehousey space. And I remember stopping in the middle of the room before I was going to lock up and just standing there. And I remember 
being kind of frozen in time thinking, if I can love this stage as much as I do, if I can love standing up in front of these people and guiding them and leading them and making them feel awesome every day, how what would it feel like to be able to do that on a bigger stage, like in a way where there was like more people out there that I could influence and more people out there that I could show what they're capable of and more people out there that I could help them prove to themselves on a regular basis, like you are so qualified and you're so worthy and you are such a badass and you're not giving yourself enough credit. And that's really, really, really where like the beginning of the podcast where I thought, okay, what kind of a platform is accessible to me? And podcasting was that platform. And it was an easy choice for me after I started thinking through like, I want to be more influential with my voice. And from there, it wasn't that it was not scary, because it was definitely still scary and uncomfortable and really awkward at the beginning when I first started recording the podcast. Like the first 12 episodes I recorded way before we launched anything. And I was just recording them thinking like, well, I hope someone listens to these someday. (laughs) Like, I felt so weird, like sitting in my office talking to myself in a microphone felt like the weirdest thing ever, which now it feels like so normal. But it felt so weird. And it was really uncomfortable. But that led to other stages and other opportunities. And even at that time, I wasn't thinking like, oh, my gosh, I'm an amazing public speaker. But then I once I was able to start to see that my track record, I was like, well, that's definitely what I'm doing. And I kind of love it. I, it's super uncomfortable. Sometimes it's super like nerve wracking, and anxiety evoking. And also, it feels so good on the other side of it especially when I get to see that like I had impact over someone else. And so I've noticed this with my clients where they discredit themselves and they discount themselves, especially around the ways that they can be influential with public speaking, whether again, it's a tiny room of just two people or a big, huge room with a big, huge stage and thousands of people sitting out in the crowd. And I want to give you all permission, whether it's public speaking or something else, I want to give you permission to take that thing where you're like, I would rather die and give your invite yourself in to try it and test yourself a bit because it could be the thing that you would rather die than do is the thing that might be one of your favorite things ever and sometimes you try it and you're like oh my gosh as it turns out this is amazing and then other times you try it and you're like well that wasn't amazing but i didn't die so i'm going to try it again this would have been me and skiing like i tried it so many times where i was just like i just hope i don't die like it felt like it was never not getting better for a very very long time but every time i was like well didn't die <laughs> so maybe i'll try it one more time oh hey everybody it's us blair and molly your old pals from toddler purgatory two moms who are also actors who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck and now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. 
with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. So when you're thinking about trying that something new, how can you invite yourself in to to practice that thing and just kind of feel it out? I want to give you four invitations related to this. So the first invitation, when you are looking to try something out and kind of try it on for size, is first of all, number one, when someone tells you that you're good at something, believe them. So when someone tells you that you're a natural leader, believe them. When someone tells you that you, you know, are a great speaker, believe them. When someone tells you you're good at anything, when someone tells you you're super empathetic or you're super charismatic or you're such a great listener or you're so kind or you're so generous, like all those things, believe them. Because when other people see those things in you, they are true. (laughs) And I have to use this example specifically or this invitation specifically because this just happened at the retreat I was hosting last week where there was someone in the room who was like, I'm really, really bad at public speaking. I'm the worst at it. And every time she had the opportunity to get up and speak in front of the group, she completely freaking nailed it. (laughs) We were all like, wait, hold on. Like you say you're bad at this and you're so good at it because she didn't feel confident. She didn't, her insides didn't match her outsides. (laughs) Like her insides were like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And her outsides, she was like shining like the brightest sparkliest light bulb ever. And so just because your insides are freaking out while you're doing the thing doesn't mean you're bad at it. So when someone tells you that you're good at something, listen to them. When someone tells you that like you have the opportunity and the skills to do make something work, listen to that. Because sometimes we don't feel that internally. We just feel the scare and the terror and the, oh my God, am I doing it right? Am I being judged? Is everyone laughing at me? But the reality is they're not. People, like You have earned the respect of your peers given where you've already been. So you don't have to worry about them thinking that you're ridiculous. What's likely happening is that you think you're ridiculous because you know what? You've been socialized in a, in a world and communities in a country where women have been made to feel ridiculous over and over and over because of the way that we've been socialized. So we assume that we're going to look ridiculous because we've been told that oftentimes we are ridiculous. But you know what? It's not other women telling us that. It's not other leaders telling us that. It's people who are more insecure than you. It's people that don't have the opportunities and the gifts that you have. It's people that are jealous of you. It's people that know less than you. And it's people who I will tell you for sure are not willing to get in the arena with you. And Brene Brown says this all the time. She talks about a Teddy Roosevelt quote around this where he talks about like the no one gets to judge you or comment on anything unless they are in the arena doing the same thing as you. So if your next door neighbor thinks it's ridiculous that you want to go out and do public speaking, great, good for them. Are they out there public speaking? Probably not. So their opinion doesn't get a vote. They don't matter. Their voice doesn't matter. And you don't need to listen to it. The people that are doing the thing are going to be your cheerleaders and your supporters. And they're going to champion you because they're going to see what you're good at and they're going to see where you have room to grow. So those are the people that you listen to. The second invitation is to trust yourself to fake it till you make it. Now, I'm not going to say fake it till you make it, like doing something that's unethical, like fake it till you make it as a doctor. No, like, please don't. Fake it as you make it as an anesthesiologist. No, 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 no. Like in a safe way, in an ethical way, fake it till you make it. 
Trust that you can do that. So trust that you can do the thing and you can be absolutely losing it on the inside, like freaking out, thinking that you're doing it horribly, but just standing there calmly with a smile on your face, saying the thing you need to say, delivering the thing you want to deliver, promoting the thing, asking the questions, like showing up as a person with power and influence. And you can still be losing it on the inside and execute it beautifully, even if you're fumbly. And please let yourself be fumbly which leads us right into number three, let yourself be fumbly. So trust that you can fake it till you make it because you absolutely can. And it is in that faking it till you make it over and over again that you're faking it a little bit less every single time. Then when you release the idea that you need to be perfect doing it, oh my gosh, like the floodgates open. So I had this belief that like I wanted to get out there and nail everything I said in public speaking because for the sake of impact, I wanted to be able to deliver it with exactly the right tone, the right words, the right like gesturing. But the thing is like that level of stress makes me way more fumbly. (laughs) And so I had to learn that it's okay to be fumbly. And for me, what helps me be comfortable is just openly acknowledging my fumbling right there. And this just happened the other day where I... This is such a weird thing. I don't know. Maybe some of you can relate. I am taking multiple medications related to ADHD and anxiety. And I accidentally, sw- I take two, but I'm, I switched them the other day. And I took the one I'm supposed to take at night, I took in the morning. And <laughs> then I had to be at my best self that day because I was leading something really important that day. And I realized like halfway through the day, I was like, why do I feel so weird? Like something feels off. Something feels really fumbly. And I was not nervous. Like I was just like, something is weird about my body. And I had this weird headache. I couldn't figure it out. Well, then I realized later, I was like, oh my God, I took the wrong medication. The one I'm supposed to take when I go to bed, do you know, to help me sleep and relax. I took that first thing in the morning. So what I ended up doing in the middle of that day when I'm in this you know, prominent leadership role, I had to say, oh my gosh, I am just totally losing my words today. Like, give me a moment while I find them. And nobody cared. Like, nobody was like, oh my God, she like forgot her words. But I was so fumbling over the thing I was trying to say that I had to pause and say, hold on. Like, I'm totally losing my words. I obviously need a snack and a drink of water. Give me just a second. And I didn't stop and eat right there, but I was like, just give me a second to collect myself. Rather than trying to fumble my way through it and make it awkward, or rather than trying to be really hard on myself for not nailing something, I just paused in front of everyone to say, I need a second. And so I've released that idea that I need to be perfect. And I've released the idea that anyone wants me to be perfect. I had this realization a few years ago, I was listening to this podcast by someone who I'd listened to for a really long time. And she was this podcaster who I started to kind of notice, I'm like, I think she writes everything out and then reads it. And she did a great job. She has a teaching podcast where she's teaching people how to do certain things around business entrepreneurship and business building. And I started realizing, oh my gosh, I think she writes this out first and then reads it because she doesn't want to mess it up. And I started noticing how she would stumble on words sometimes. And I was like, oh my God, she is totally reading this, which is fine. Like a lot of podcasters do that. It's not a big deal. But you could tell that her reading it was her form of trying to make it really, really perfect. And she stopped scripting things shortly after that. And she was like, I'm really trying to be a little more off the cuff. I'm really trying to be less scripted in the way I present things because that's all what you're telling me. That's what all of you are telling you me you want. Oh my gosh. I mean, 
She was so much better off the cuff, but she was so worried about trying to look perfect and so worried that that's what she thought everyone expected from her, that she was so getting in her own way. And I went back and listened to her old stuff after listening to some of the newer, less scripted stuff. And I was like, I cannot listen to this anymore. Like it's so overly produced and overly perfect that it's really annoying to listen to. So People want you to be human. They don't want you to be perfect. So for your own sake, release the idea that you need to be perfect or that you have to have something, you know, have a high level of mastery before you can share your gifts with the world or share a gift with a certain group of people. Let yourself be imperfect and fumbly for your own sake because it releases a lot of pressure, but also because you don't need to prove that to anyone else. Like no one's expecting you to prove that you're so perfect that that means you can do the thing they want you to do. No one's expecting that because I'm assuming you're not expecting that of other people either, right? Like you're going into human engagements, expecting to be engaging with human beings who are not perfect. (laughs) So, So that's number three. And then number four is look at the fourth invitation is look at how you've already proven and you're qualified and ready for your success in whatever area it is that you want to be stepping into or trying out by looking at your successes in adjacent areas. So You know, when I look back at like my work as a personal trainer and my work in those early days leading small group exercise things, I certainly at the time was not like, oh my gosh, this means I'm now ready to like talk in front of huge audiences. But as I got more and more interested in talking to big audiences and looking at and seeking those opportunities, I could look back and see, oh wait, I've already been preparing for this. So I haven't done that exact thing yet, but I've already been preparing for this and that counts. And sometimes we don't look at those things that are kind of adjacent and see where they overlap with the new thing we want to try or do. And as soon as you can see that overlap and where you're like, oh, I've already started doing it a bit, all of a sudden that's a confidence booster. You're like, oh yeah, like I did that. And remember I had to figure it out. And remember I felt pretty nervous or I felt kind of awkward or maybe I like completely, you know, flubbed the whole thing. Oh yeah. And then I got better. Like, so if I did that, I can totally do this. When we give ourselves these invitations, when we give ourselves these reminders, when we let someone tell us that we're good at something and we believe them, when we trust ourselves to fake it for just a minute and fake it till we make it, when we trust ourselves to release the idea that we need to be perfect when we're trying something, when we look at how we've already proven ourselves in adjacent areas and shown success in adjacent areas, things start to hugely, hugely open up for us. And I saw this in that retreat experience last week. I saw where someone came in thinking that they were so horrible at something and they left with a room full of people saying, you are so good at this. You have to do this more because the way you do this is so beautiful and powerful. And that's what happens when you give yourself permission to go try the thing, to go step into the thing that feels a little awkward, that feels a little bit scary. That's how you elevate your voice and your visibility and get what you want. But it's also how you invite other people to do the same, to use their voices to gain visibility and gain power and influence in the ways that they want to have power and influence in the world as well. So I hope this was helpful. Listen more than once if you need to. And please, please, please remember that I'm in this with you always. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. 
episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be Shameless Mom of the Week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.